Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Looking forward to this next conversation because it is with someone whom I have admired uh, for years and years. You know, uh, years ago I used to work for Doug Wright. I was his producer. Uh, I was to Doug Wright as producer Amy is to me. And uh, one of the guests who we would have on this program all the time to explain uh, exactly what was going on uh, in the Granite School District and and how best uh, students were learning, how teachers were teaching, and how parents uh, could send their children off to school uh, with the confidence that they'd get a good uh, and safe education is none other than uh, Granite School District spokesperson Ben Horsley. Uh, Ben, sir, how are you? I'm well. Thanks for the nice introduction. That was very kind of you. pretty good, right? Uh, well, well, you're a yeah. rock star, and you have throughout. I'm not going to complain at all. <laughs> Send this tape better your... than what I get from Debbie in the morning. That's oh, all yeah. I have to say about that. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you what. Pa- package up this segment. Send it off to your boss when it comes time to renegotiate the salary. All right. That's right. I will. I'm going to save that clip for sure. Perfect. Uh, you are a week in now. How have things gone? Actually, pretty good. Uh, it, the reality is, is that there's. I think some people assumed that. We were expecting there would be no cases and that that was some sort of success. You know, when all this started, we just wanted to crush the curve. But we've known for quite some time that this pandemic was going to be around for quite some time, uh, for many, many years. And our plans reflect that. And it's kind of interesting to see these plans being implemented. And as we see uh, cases and quarantines be necessary, um, communicating those and how that process is working. I'm glad you brought up that point that that uh, success is not measured in zero cases. Schools are, are merely a cross-section of the, the community at large, and we have not eradicated the community at large uh, of this virus. So, of course, uh, you know, we'll see some positive cases pop up in the, in, in the classrooms. And the question then uh, is, are you uh, capable and do you have the safeguards in place to, uh, to mitigate uh, the spread and any risk posed by that? Uh, and so it's a good point you bring up, and I need to remind myself of that from, uh, from time to time when I see that uh, oh, in this school or in that school, uh, a case popped up. Now, uh, I, I have heard recently that there is a little bit of an education effort needed. Uh, th- there have been children uh, arriving at school with some symptoms, and the guidance has been uh, for, for parents uh, to hold those students back. I know it's difficult, certainly, with, with jobs and with the need for children to be somewhere safe uh, and learning, and there is uh, some stress when a kid's got to stay home. But uh, but you've got to plea to, to those parents observing these symptoms in their students. Absolutely. I think the one thing we've been ultimately trying to get our arms around is that ultimately the cases that we've seen in schools thus far have not been a result of community spread in the school themselves, 
but in the homes and in the families and in their community activities. And so what we ultimately really need help with is making sure that sick kids stay home. That helps keep staff and other students safe um, and and makes these quarantines unnecessary when we do see cases uh, get confirmed. You've seen, you've had students arrive uh, in classrooms with exhibiting symptoms. What happens in that scenario? Yeah, just a handful so far. I, I, we serve 64,000 kids. So when I say a handful, I mean yeah. literally under 10. And so it, those numbers should not uh, cause anybody panic in any way, shape, or form. But literally, I, I, I don't think people understand the fact that per health department protocol, we see a kid with the sniffles, they're going right down to an isolation room um, with some appropriate supervision until mom or dad can come and pick them up. And that's not fun for the child. It, again, unnecessarily places the entire cl- uh, class at risk. And our teachers as well, we, we can't have school without teachers. We need to keep them safe and protected as well. How how, uh, how have the students been doing? I, I spoke with a number of teachers and administrators on day one at some various uh, districts, and the, the attitude, uh, by and large, on day one was that students were very, very enthusiastically following uh, the guidance. I speculated that's likely because uh, it's been so long since they've been back in the classroom, they realize, oh, shoot, we may have taken this for granted, and uh, uh, being with our friends is a good thing, and if we want to continue that, uh, we ought to be uh, complying with these guidelines put down by the adults. Has that enthusiasm, well, first off, have you observed it in your district, and has that uh, enthusiasm endured now a weekend? Students have been phenomenal. I think over the summer we heard there's no way kids can do this. Kids are not the problem right now in terms of mask wearing. They understand the principles of social distancing. Uh, They're very respectful of each other. One issue we do see and we continue to educate on is at lunchtime, those kids are really excited to see each other. And so they are, uh, particularly at the secondary level, uh, we continue to see issues with just social distancing, but that's just, it's usually the same students, and we just can continue to work with them. They understand it, and they do recognize that if we don't follow these rules here, that uh, we don't get to continue to have in-person instruction. And so when that's pointed out and that's recognized, there's a greater respect for those rules. How about teachers? I, I know that there has been some great anxiety uh, held by teachers, that some have said, oh, well, I'm not sure if the if the precautions are, are safe enough for my health. H- have you observed that attitude uh, shift at all in this week? Yeah, and I want to empathize with teachers. I, I, I cannot possibly understand every single teacher's circumstances or scenarios. We all have our own independent experiences um, and circumstances, uh, specifically with underlying conditions or family members who uh, might be at risk. And so uh, I can fully understand, even though I don't understand it specifically, that there would be ongoing concerns. And so our job is just simply to work to mitigate those every single day. And I think some people said, well, I don't like your plan, and they hadn't even been in the classroom yet. Well, I get that. Let's get you in the classroom. Let's figure out what's working, what's not, and let's modify and make it so it can work. This is not something that was just rigid in stone from the get-go and we wouldn't be able to alter. We certainly anticipated that there were things that we would learn over time, not just in this last week since we started, but over the next few months as we continue to go through this process uh, to hold in school uh, instruction that we can modify those plans and make everyone safer. The numbers sound pretty great. You, you confident that uh, that you'll be able to stay the course and adhere to the plan as it's uh, laid out now? You won't have to take any uh, kind of drastic actions and, and scale back the, the ability for students to come in or or move back to a more uh, a more remote learning circumstance. 
I think there will be circumstances over the next few years. I'm confident, in fact, that we will have circumstances where we will have classes dismissed because there's three or more cases, or we may, in fact, have even schools dismissed for two weeks. Uh, well, uh, if we get over that 15-case threshold in a single school environment. I, the fact is the numbers that I've seen just last week, um, there's at least a handful of cases, uh, again, not transmitted. That's the interesting thing about this. I think some people think that kids are coming to school and getting this. They're bringing it to school. And the biggest part about this is not just keeping the rules at school, but keeping them at home. Um, we're seeing still large groups of students interacting with each other without masks, without social distancing. It's all over social media. Those get sent to our principals, and our principals say, what am I supposed to do? That's happening at some kid's house on a Friday night. I, I don't know how to handle that. And so, again, if we as a community commit to follow these, these rules, the safer we're going to be. But invariably, we will have some situations where we will have to dismiss. And that's not a failure. I want to be really right. clear about that. That's just indicative of the circumstances. The success is that we're able to maintain some in-person instruction, and we have a process to be able to do so. Yeah. Uh, Transmission is going to happen. Uh, We will have to change course slightly from uh, here and there uh, when it comes up. And I I can't uh, emphasize enough exactly what what you just have shared with us, that that's not a failure. It is simply a reality of the virus that we're battling. Uh, But we do have within our power the ability to mitigate it. Uh, Listen, sir, I'm grateful to you for your time. Thank you so much for what you're doing for the students, the teachers, the parents, the faculty, everyone there keeping us up. Uh, to date on everything uh, that you are facing in the Granite School District. Ben Horsley, spokesperson, my guest. Sir, thanks again. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, So, listen, if your kid's got the sniffles, if your kid uh, has a fever, if your kid is exhibiting any of the symptoms that are on that long list, uh, if they're having trouble smelling or tasting, uh, you got to keep them home. you got to keep them home. And you got to do so until those symptoms subside, and then attack on uh, an extra uh, attack on an extra twenty four hours onto that, and they go back into the classroom. I know it's an inconvenience. I absolutely understand that. You've got a job to report to, right? You've got to get to work. You've got to earn the check that's going to keep the roof over that kid's head, to keep clothes on that kid's back, and food in that kid's belly. But if you send them to school sick. And they get one of their friends sick, and then that friend gets a teacher sick, and there ends up being a little pocket of sick kids and teachers. Well, uh, you're going to be looking at more than one or two or three days uh, as the kids' symptoms subside and uh, maybe multiple weeks. All right? We're going to take a break right now. You've heard about this new CDC report, right, that says that only 6% of those individuals who have passed away as a result of the coronavirus had only the coronavirus uh, in their system. Yeah, comorbidities and such like that. Uh, Well, we're going to get into that. What does that say about our country and the state of health here? That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.